1: hello everybody welcome back to only stupid answers my name is dj woldridge and i am joined today by my amazing guests coy and sabrina say hi to the kids at home oh hi kids there you go hi say hi <laughs> <laughs> all right so for the if, if, for everybody that doesn't uh might not know who you are sabrina let's start with you introduce <laughs> yourself uh tell everybody at home where they can find you and what you're up to
0: i'm sabrina ramirez i'm on the first cut youtube channel with andres cabrera and robert butler the third we have the meaning of podcasts we also post reviews video essays all of that and then i'm also a writer for geeks of color so you could check me out over there um i have a patreon sabrina on film it's where i kind of go to have film discussions we do like a film club all of us just get together i built this community and we all just talk about our favorite stuff and it ranges anywhere from like movies like short term 12 to like musicals so it's just been a lot of fun but yeah that's where you could find me
1: and uh what and that's patreon.com slash
0: sabrina on film
1: perfect uh and coy uh what uh, about I'm- yourself sir at Koi
2: on Twitter and Instagram and Patreon. So all of those places slash C-O-Y-J-A-N-D-R-E-A-U. Uh, I'm a comic book junkie, a movie zealot, a obsessive of pop culture. Um, my Patreon consists of everything from comic reviews to movie reviews to thesis papers to uh, people assigning me content they want me to watch and then I basically do all of the interview studying and watch the thing and then do a thing and then review it myself and uh, lots and lots of stuff. I don't like free time. Uh, (laughs) I have a number of podcasts. I have uh, a number of video shows on my own YouTube, youtube.com slash Koi I used to host Collider Heroes and I currently host comic book shopping when it's safe to go in comic book stores. So, um, I don't like rest, but I do like people and comics. So here we are.
1: There you go. Now, before we go any further, I'd like to mention that this episode has been edited down for time. That's right. If you're listening to this on your normal podcast platform, this was a big sprawling conversation. We did a full what we're into this week, the whole shebang, and it had to be edited down for time. But if you want to hear the whole discussion, you can go to patreon.com slash only stupid answers. That's where we have all of our full unedited episodes of this podcast so please go to patreon.com slash only stupid answers you can listen to all of those plus much more for as low as five bucks a month that's like a buck a week a bunch of cool stuff there and you can be a part of our amazing community would love to have you be a part of it so go check that out patreon.com slash only stupid answers but now let's dive into our main discussion james gunn's suicide squad we got a tease of it a dc fandom we got a uh, a rundown of the cast and we got some behind the scenes footage and we got a lovely panel where it seems like everybody on board seems to genuinely like each other that was my big takeaway from those panels is is the casts seeming to really enjoy each other's company which was really cool uh we've got a few uh you normally our Discord asks us questions, but I asked them the question this time: who they thought was going to die. Um, and we've got some uh, opinions here. STS twenty eight eighty four said Pete Davidson will probably make a self deprecating joke right before he dies. Uh, Zero all thirteen says if King Shard dies, I will be upset. uh uh, danny says flula dies for sure nathan filling will die after throwing every limb he can at people and he's i like john cena but his character is an asshole also peacemaker is the character that inspired the comedian from watchmen so he's dead um and uh danny boy says with that many characters probably 90 percent of them will die and boiler huff uh says probably a bold prediction but because he's one of the mains, he thinks Rick Flagg is going to die. And then Joey says Blackguard, TDK, and Bloodsport for sure will die. So we got uh, a lot of people are thinking Blackguard is going to die. But the reason I had both of you here today is we're going to come up with a definitive list of who we think is going to die. I. Th- Briefly flirted with the idea of doing one of those like over-under Vegas-style betting, but I'm a dummy and I don't, that doesn't make any sense to me, so I'm not going to do that. What we're going to do is we're, we're going to go through the characters one by one. We're each going to vote whether we think they're going to live or they're going to die. And since it's two out of three, two out of three one way or the other, we'll decide whether they're going to live or die in the movie. All down?
2: Yes. I love this.
1: Awesome. So let's, let's dive in with the person that I personally think is, is the most safe which is Viola Davis as Amanda Waller. Uh, Amanda Waller first appeared in Legends Number 1 in 1986 and was created by John Ostrander, Lynn Wine, and John Byrne. So I think safe. I think she's going to live, personally, because she doesn't normally go out in the field. Uh, What do you all think? Let's start with Sabrina. What, What do you think about Amanda Waller's odds of making it out of this movie?
0: I think with an actress like Viola Davis, I mean, it's impossible to say that she wouldn't, but... I'm going to say that she's dead because after seeing her in the first film and the second one, why do more? This is a suicide squad. I think this would be a twist. I think it would be something interesting.
1: Yeah, definitely. It would definitely be unexpected. That's for sure.
0: I think that's the biggest thing is that we actually have to have that damage to this group. So I'm going to say Amanda Waller is dead.
1: Oh, dang. So, So Corey, it's down to you. We got to live and we got to die.
2: In the comic books, Amanda Waller is not leading the Suicide Squad. It's someone else because of like I'm not going to give anything away. The Tom Taylor run, it's not Amanda Waller. So there is conceptually the precedent, but I do feel like they need some cohesive, uh, you know, like glue to tie things together. And I agree, Rick Flag's biting it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say Amanda Waller lives on this one.
1: Okay, so the consensus is two out of three. Amanda Waller is living to fight another day. We're going to go to another one that I think is pretty safe uh, just because of studio obligations. Uh, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn first appeared in Batman, (laughs) animated series, the episode called Joker's Favor back in 1992. Uh, She was created by Paul Dini and Bruce Tim. I'm going to say safe. I think Harley Quinn is scheduled to be in 15 other movies. And so I think she's going to make it out just fine. Coy, let's start with you. What do you think?
2: Well, you know, when you got a cash cow, you don't, you know, you you need to keep milking. And I feel like if they, if they don't use Harley Quinn, now that she's reached this incredible deserved zeitgeist like harley quinn's an incredible character the fact that she sprung from a cartoon which i love that people like comic fans or uh, i love people that aren't real comic fans arguing over that because it's like no no it's clear as day this, this is her first appearance mm-hmm. uh I, I think harley quinn has reached the level she's deserved so uh if they kill her it'd be the biggest surprise of the entire film mm-hmm. but it would also be dceu just accepting a giant giant loss for a shy twist so i'm gonna say live's Uh, I'm going to say that Margot Robbie is amongst those cast people that like the Downey Juniors, the Ryan Reynolds, the like holy grails of casting. You can't lose Margot as Harley personally.
1: Yeah. Serena, what do you think?
0: Yeah, 100% echoing everything you guys are saying. I mean, you can't get rid of Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. She's already so iconic in the role. Um, It would just, it would be a major, major loss. I think she's like the driving force of all of these films, to be honest. She's the thing that's bringing everybody to continue seeing this kind of stuff. Margot Robbie, Harley Quinn, hundred percent survives.
1: Yeah, and I think her and uh, Gal Gadot as as Wonder Woman, I think, are kind of like uh, interestingly the the pillars of the DC movie universe. And I think that's kind of one of the the side benefits of the ball being fumbled with superman and batman i mean people have different opinions on it but like the audience response was not great with with uh zack snyder's uh takes on batman and superman and that allowed a window for characters to that would not necessarily get the biggest headlines to take that moment similarly to the way that like you know it's a bummer the marvel studios couldn't use spider-man the x-men from the jump but that allowed them to like emphasize like iron man and captain america and thor
2: Yeah, actually, I totally agree with that because I think it's a better landscape now because of the accidental, uh, you know, like you're saying, like Iron Man would never have been their first draft pick. And now Iron Man's better in the comics and the movies for it. And I do think we like we need more female heroes. So I'm so glad that like Wonder Woman is the face of D.C. in so many ways right now, because the Holy Trinity, like a couple of dudes, there's 82 Batman movies and Superman's played by 15 guys like it's, it's time.
1: Yeah it's time also uh birds of prey was one of my favorite movies i've seen this year to be fair i've not seen a lot uh but it's still (laughs) up there it's still up there it's still one of my favorite movies it's on hbo max right now let's uh dive into uh idris elba as Bloodsport. uh this version of the character is the robert dubois version uh he first appeared in superman volume two number four in 1987 he was created by john byrne and carl kessel uh i'm gonna say because uh Bloodsport was originally supposed to be dead shot and i think still has because his daughter's a big part of the movie i think there's still some like lingering aftermath of that character was supposed to be dead shot i'm going to assume that uh he lives i think i think uh, you don't kiss, uh, cast idris elba in here if it's a one and done what do you think sabrina
0: yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think this character, obviously, this is their answer to, like, a whole bloodshot thing, but in this film, and then even just having him and Storm Reed, I'm interested to see the dynamic they have as a father-daughter relationship throughout the film, and kind of how that plays to, like, a more compassionate, like, sympathetic angle to the squad. And so I think 100% that he also survives.
3: What about you, koi
2: uh, I think no disrespect to Marvel, but I think this is uh, DC realizing they dropped the ball at Heimdall. Like they, they didn't realize they had Idris Elba until like the third movie. They're yeah. like, oh, right, Idris Elba's here. Like you just showed up on set one day and they're like, right, okay, yeah. So I I feel like uh, he gets a lot more time to shine. I feel like he definitely lives. I feel like he's the not leader, but, you know, surrogate leader in a lot of scenes. And I definitely feel like he's taking that Deadshot spot. So uh, I say not only lives, but has more screen time than we're expecting.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And I also wouldn't mind if in a sequel we get to see maybe Bloodsport and Deadshot like meet up. Yeah, I'd be a fan of that. So it looks like we're all on the same page. Bloodsport is going to live to fight uh, another day. Also, as I keep going, uh, you all should pay attention to the dates when a lot of these characters were introduced. And you'll notice a pattern. I think we can uh, triangulate when at what time period James Gunn was reading comics by looking at some of these characters origins.
2: And that he's a huge Burn fan.
1: Yes, yes. So now we're (laughs) going to go over to John Cena as Peacemaker. He first appeared in Fighting Five, number 40, in 1966. Uh, He's created by Joe Gill and Pat Boyette. Um, And as it was pointed out in our Discord correctly, he was the inspiration for the comedian. And if my research is correct, from what I understand of the character, his his catchphrase was always, uh, he loves peace, peace so much, he's willing to kill for it. And I've always found that hilarious. So I think uh, having John Cena as Peacemaker in this movie is really exciting. Sabrina, do you think Peacemaker is going to make it out of this
3: movie?
0: I think, unfortunately, he's not going to make it to the end. But I do think that he's going to be a part of this ensemble um, up till probably like the third act. I think John Cena is incredibly talented and he has really great comedic timing. So I think he's going to be one of the standouts that um, audiences really connect to. But I don't think he's going to make it to the end.
3: What about you, Koi?
2: completely agree with Sabrina. I think we're going to see a lot of them. I think he's going to be a scene stealer, but I think that's all he's going to be. I think John Cena deserves a franchise, but this is not his franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that character is going to be one that we're like, oh, I didn't want him to die. Yeah, I did. I kind of I did want him to go. So it's going to be one of those like, ooh, I'm torn, bye. So, Bye-bye.
1: Like... I agree with both of you because um, if you watch the, the footage, we spend weirdly a lot of time on Peacemaker. Like he's the only one that gets like a segment where they're like, yeah, he's an asshole, oh, Peacemaker. And it, it really stood out to me like, why Peacemaker of all, of all the characters in this movie? It's like, oh, this is a faint. He's gonna he's definitely gonna bite it before the end of the movie like it's gonna be John Cena everybody's like oh damn he's gonna be in it and then like I wouldn't even be surprised if like 15 minutes in his head gets blown off or something just to let you know like hey shit's real.
2: And it's also a great casting choice and a great character to kill because the audience that doesn't know comic books and doesn't understand the Suicide Squad like the every man is going to be like they killed John Cena mm-hmm. and I think that's a really big part of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So now we're going to get to one of the OG members. We're talking about Joel Kinnaman as Rick Flagg. He first appeared in The Brave and the Bold, number 25, in 1959. And he was created by Robert Canuger and Ross Andrew. Coy, what do you think about Rick Flagg's chance? Dead? He's out of here. I think Kinnaman's done. I think the
2: audiences are like, well, that was the guy from the first one, I guess. I think, uh, I think it'll be uh, important to see one of the first movie's characters die, But I really think that's the purpose he serves. I think he serves like the, well, no holds barred and goodbye. So I I got nothing against Joel Kenneman. I just don't know how invested he is. And I don't know (laughs) how invested the audience is. So I see this as very good cannon fodder.
1: What about you, Sabrina?
0: Yeah, 100%. I agree. I think he's going to be out, honestly, within like the first 15 minutes. I think he's going to be one of the first people that we see to go. Because again, it's the same argument I had with uh, Amanda Waller, where we need those stakes. We need to think that this is actually a Suicide Squad mission and that a lot of them aren't going to make it out. And that just shows if somebody who crosses over from that the past one into this one bites it right away, that's going to show the audience. So Yeah. yeah. Out.
1: I, I agree with that as well because um, I think – I was actually – if I'm being honest, I was actually kind of surprised he made it out of the first movie because it's like in, at this point as far as like modern audience members go, um, when they think Suicide Squad – if they think Suicide Squad at all, they think like Deadshot, they think Harley. Like I think in a, a lot of like when DC was doing animated movies and stuff like that, one of the characters that they would drop would be Rick Flagg. I think in the New 52, he wasn't even part of the team. So I kind of expected him to die in the first movie. And Sabrina, I think you're right. I, something I wanted in the first movie is I think like set them up by showing the team on a mission and like kill off all of those members within, within the first five minutes. So you know what's up and I wouldn't be surprised. I, at first I actually was kind of assuming that's why Will Smith dropped out of the movie was that they were going to kill him off early. And he's like, mm. no, nah, I don't, don't want to do that. Um, uh, but now that it's Idris Elba, it's like, ah, I don't, I don't think that's gonna happen. Um, so I think I think you're both right. I think Rick Flagg is not long for this world, although I do like his yellow shirt with the bunny on it. <laughs> I think it's I think Hungry. it's a nice little Hungry. a nice little addition. All right, moving on to Peter Capaldi, my favorite modern doctor, as The Thinker. And I think it's a little up in the air which version of the thinker he's playing, but I'm gonna go with Clifford DeVoe, who is not a beloved, was not the most beloved villain on the Flash, although I on the Flash TV series. Although I did like him because he wasn't a speedster, which I thought was something the show needed to switch up a little bit. Uh, There you go. A Star Labs shirt. Corey just showed off his Star Labs shirt for the listeners at home. So um, Sabrina, the thinker. Peter Capaldi is a thinker who, I should point out, I don't think was in any of the -the behind-the-scenes footage we saw.
0: That was the thing. Um, We didn't really see much of him. I think he's also going to be one of the first people to go. um, Or they could do something interesting and different with this character and he kind of like is the one that like ventures off and then goes that way um but yeah i don't think he's making it out to the end like james gunn said don't get attached to any of these characters and we didn't even get attached to him with the featurette or anything so we're really i don't i just don't think we're gonna get attached so i don't think he's making it to the end
3: what about you coy
2: i think this was a bit of like nerd nod casting i think it was very much like we got a doctor here mm-hmm. and he's dead yes. so i i don't think uh I don't see a a reason to keep him for long other than the stunt casting aspect. Um, But I could be wrong, but I I don't see him making it uh, past the halfway point.
1: So this makes me think of something else that I want to ask you both. What do you think this movie is going to be rated? Because uh, as you may know, like for people that beyond the doctor, uh, Peter Capaldi is a notoriously great at cursing. He's like, he's like masterclass level at it. Um, So, It feels like it's a missed opportunity to have him in this movie and not let him, like, tear somebody a new one. Do you think this will be one of the DC movies that's rated R? Do you think it'll be PG-13? Sabrina, let's start with you.
0: Yeah, I think it has to be rated R. I think everything that we're about to see on screen, all the fatalities that are happening with the squad and outside of the squad, I just don't think that there's a way to show that on screen without going the hard R with it. So I think it's going to be rated R.
3: What about you, Koi?
2: I think it's the reason James Gunn wanted it. I think straight up, he was like, wait a second, I can have some of the tonality I've gotten away with with Guardians, but as an R-rated like trauma, this is what he comes from, is like, you know, the trauma, the the lower budget crazy films. It's like he gets to make a low budget, crazy James Gunn film with $200 million. So I imagine that was the pitch. Uh, And I also imagine that, You want to differentiate Suicide Squad from the Suicide Squad? To me, that the is the R rating. It's the R.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be interested to see if they do that because you know there was. I think there was. Wait, was Birds of Prey was rated R?
0: I don't. I think it might have been PG thirteen. Hold on. No, no, I think they cut
1: it. I think they cut it down to PG thirteen.
2: I think it was one of those that was on the line and they cut it down.
1: Hold on. We're we're going to go to um, our IT department. They're going to look it up. Our research team. (laughs) Uh, It is. It's rated R. What? Because oh. so, I, I was thinking about when – spoilers for Birds of Prey – when Black Masks blows up, when he just blows up. I was like, there's no way that's PG-13. So, yeah, this will 100% be R because now they don't need to – that's wild to think about that that's kind of where the DC movies is are kind of planting their flag. And, and it makes me kind of wonder – you know, when you think about uh, the Batman and the films that it, it seems to kind of, as part of its language, he even mentioned Chinatown. Of course, a lot of people online reference Seven. Both those are R-rated movies. So I'm kind of wondering if it's like DC saw the su- success of Joker and they're like, okay, all right. What, if we finally get an R-rated Batman,
2: I will lose my mind. If we finally get a detective Batman that's able to do everything Batman would.
1: Yeah. That'll be
2: interesting Better. to see.
0: Yeah, that's what I honestly want to see from this one. I want it to be a little bit different. I don't want it to be like super clean cut or anything. And from the footage that we got, I mean, it looks dark and it looks gritty and it looks dirty. So make it R and I'll be happy.
2: Uh, And I I think some movies need to be rated R and some movies don't. I think Wonder Woman is definitely a PG-13 film. I think Shazam was delightfully almost PG. mm -hmm. Uh, It was scary, like Amblin scary, but a lot of Amblin movies are PG. But there are different corners of the DC universe. And I think that's its strength. So I'd say like lean into the corners and let your movie's Feel different and and go R with this.
1: Yeah, to be fair though, the a- Amblin version of Scary is what uh, led us to getting PG thirteen in the first place. So that's fair. That's <laughs> so I true. think a lot of those movies now would be PG thirteen. Uh, let's Poltergeist have- is totally a G rated <laughs> film. He rips. I, I remember because I didn't see Poltergeist until I was an adult, and so when he starts ripping his face off, you're like, well this is a kids' movie. In what world? Anyway. (laughs) um, Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang, the Digger Harkness version. He first appeared in The Flash. Number 117 was created by John Broom and Carmine Infantino. Uh, Sabrina, Captain Boomerang. Is he going to make it out of this movie?
0: This is a really tough one for me. This one kind of breaks my heart. He was one of my favorite parts of suicide squad. Um, but I think, I think he's going to make it to towards the end, but I think ultimately we're going to see his demise. Um, because I do think he's going to be more beloved in this film. I think we're going to have that attachment because he's kind of funny. He really just like fits a lot of the tone and we could get a lot of laughs out of that. Um, so I don't think he's going to make it to the end, but I think he'll make it far.
3: Okay. Okay. Coy. what about you?
1: I have agreed
2: to Sabrina all but one of these, and it's going to continue right now because I think he is our favorite drunk uncle. I think he's going to be, like, when he dies, we're actually going to care as opposed to some of the characters that when they die, we don't. I think they're going to, like, up the stakes from, like, oh it's a movie about people dying too oh it's a movie about people dying we care about with boomerang so i could see boomerang being a second or even third act death but i do think we lose him which is a bummer because it's my favorite Jai courtney role by a large margin and i think it's the one he enjoys the most Mm -hmm. like it seems like that's the movie where they're like oh you can be Jai courtney and he's like finally mate and then like plays so uh i'm hoping he lives but i don't think he will so i'm saying he dies
1: so coy is dead, is sabrina you were lives no dead Dead. but um, all right yeah well i'm going to be i'm going to be uh the outlier here because i again i kind of thought they were going to bring in everybody they could from the first movie and kill them all off in the first and before the first act even really opened but seeing the footage we saw with him in it and um coy you know you've read the comics as well like captain boomerang adds such an interesting element to the team he's like if you've seen the dirty dozen He's the maggot role where he's the one that will 100% sell off the team at the drop of a hat. So he's part of the team, but he's not part of the team. And I think if you have a group of villains, that's that's an important dynamic. And, I would, and I, like both of you mentioned, I think there's an opportunity here for James Gunn to really invest in that character in a way that makes people um, uh, like, well, like is the wrong word, uh, uh, care about his part in the team. And so I think he might actually make it out of the movie as one of the... You know, even you look at the new video game. It's uh, Deadshot, King Shark, Boomerang, Um, and that. What? Wait, what? Deadshot, Harley Quinn, King Shark, Boomerang. Got it. Uh, He's one of the core four, so I think he's going to live in this movie. It doesn't matter. You both said dead, so it's as as for this, he's dead. But I'm going to say I think he's going to live. All right. I I hope hope you're right.
0: Yeah, that's what I want. Honestly, (laughs) like I want to end this film with him being one of the sole survivors. I just. I'm not that optimistic.
1: And I also think it seems like we're all kind of on the same page, too, that we think that there will be not one team of the Suicide Squad. There will probably be a team A that mostly dies and then a team B that we could spend the majority of the movie with.
2: And then a team C that's
1: limping to the finish line. (laughs) (laughs) The the remainder. So um, the next character isn't really, from what I understand, is not part of the Suicide Squad. And I cannot find a comic book equivalent to her, although I'm sure one exists, which is Alice Braga as Sol Soria. Um, But she's here. So let's see if she's going to live or die. Uh, Do we think? And again, she's not part of the team. I don't know if that helps her chances or hurts her chances. But do we think she's going to live or die?
3: Let's start with you.
2: Uh, I think just off of knowing Alice Braga she lives. Uh, I feel like that's a she's a very intelligent capable actress so I feel like she's gonna be kind of our our eyeline, I feel like she might be our, you know, you kind of have the the, the cop that's the human element amongst the chaos. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like she might play that role and therefore kind of live to tell us what's going on. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know of what I don't know what archetype she's going to play except for going off of Alice Braga's Braganess. <laughs> so uh, that's that's my theory from very little information.
1: Sabrina, what about you?
0: Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say live as well because I'm interested to see what her dynamic is in the film, and I really really love her as an actress, and I would love her to stay to the end. So I'm gonna say live.
1: I'm gonna agree with both of you. I think she's gonna live. I actually think not being a part of the team helps her uh, rather than hurts her uh, because you don't need it typically in um, like. If you're the Phil Coulson, if you're like a friend of the Avengers, you're done for. Because the Avengers aren't going to die, so you're, you, the crosshairs are on you. With the Suicide Squad, I think the dynamics flipped a little bit, where it's like, it, you might be fine. That team is not going to be okay, but you, <laughs> might, you might make it out okay. Uh, now, here's one I do have a pretty definitive feeling about, whether he lives or dies. Uh, this is Pete Davidson as Blackguard. Uh, Richard Dick Hurts. Uh, which is a hilarious joke. Uh, and he first appeared in Booster Gold number one in 1986 and was created by Dan Jurgens. Sabrina is Pete Davidson making it out of this movie.
0: All right. So I probably, I kind of know what you guys are going to say. So I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm going to say Pete Davidson makes it to the end. I have a sneaking suspicion. I'm probably wrong. Don't, don't get me wrong. This is purely subjective, but I have a sneaking suspicion that we are going to get so attached to him in this film as an audience that they actually, he's going to end up being the main standout and that he's going to make it to the end. Pete Davidson has been a star over the last like two years. He's been doing a lot, even this year with King of Staten Island. Um, And just being the youngest person to ever to join the cast of SNL since Annie Murphy. I mean, that's that's talent. I don't feel like it's he's been able to, like, make it shine really well. He's never done anything action. So I think we're all going to love Pete Davidson after this film and he will survive. And I'm probably wrong.
3: (laughs) What about you, Coy? What do you think?
2: I feel those same words about another character. So when we get to that character, that's what I'm going to say. But I feel like Pete Davidson is beloved for a reason. His comedy special he put out this year is exceptional. He's very, very, very liked. Uh, But I think that's why we lose him. I I think... we fall in love with him in the opening fight, and then he dies. And I think he's part of the A team that makes it, and the B team, we lose him. So I think about halfway through, we lose poor Pete Davidson.
1: Uh, I I agree. I don't know if I agree where he where he's going to go. I feel like he might, because again, you look at that footage, and it's like, you know, Thinker doesn't show up at all. Blackguard doesn't show up at all, really? And it's like, oh, yeah, you're not you're not long for this world, poor Pete Davidson, you're here. (laughs) It makes me think of, um, in one of my favorite jokes in Deadpool 2, when they introduce introduce, uh, X-Force, and like immediately, they're just all dead. I have a feeling like that's going to be the opening of the movie, and I have a feeling Pete Davidson's going to be one of those people that does not make it out. He's going to shine so bright, but so quickly. So quickly, although I do kind of hope he stays around, because I actually weirdly i i do like blackguard uh he ended up being kind of like reformed and ran like a bad guy bar that interacted with characters like booster gold and guy Gardner. so it's like i forgot about that that was like he was like the bar with no name tender exactly and it's like i wouldn't hate it if that person kind of kept popping up randomly in like the birds of prey sequel or other like just was the guy that ran the bar that the bad guys hung out in like that could be fun uh, hey,
0: maybe he'll make it to the end and we'll see that. I hope
1: maybe that'll be like the after credits tag, just him attending bar and then somebody would come in and shoot. Him. That would be great. If they used the after credit scene to take out like one last character, like wait, you Pete Davidson made it through the whole movie <laughs> and then like mid credits stop. He's at a bar and then it's just a random robbery and he gets shot and killed.
2: I I also love the idea of him being like Turk and him just showing up in every DC film because Pete Davidson could blend into all of those worlds. Like he's like the Netflix Turk where he's just like, (laughs) I'm DC's Pete Davidson. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) Um, So next we get, uh, oh man, I'm going to butcher this. David Dasmultian, I think that's how you pronounce it. He is playing Polka Dot Man, uh, aka Abner Krill. I love the villains with the really bad names like the really like that's almost the reason they got into villainy was their names or their personal (laughs) christian names are so bad that they just got into being super villains he first appeared in detective comics 300 milestone issue of course you'd introduce polka dot man in that one uh and he was created by sheldon moldoff so sabrina polka dot man who, I must say, there was some question about uh, one of the, they did a little quiz thing and they were like, who has the most weapons? And I think this the actress who plays Ratcatcher 2 was like, well, Polka Dot Man, because all his dots are different weapons. So we learned a little bit about Polka Dot Man. Are those yeah. going to help him?
0: I I think so. I actually think so. I think uh, David Delsmatchian. Oh my God. See, I'm, I'm not
1: I'm alone. It's not a game no. name.
0: And I've had it in my head too. Dust Malchian. Yeah um i think that he is going to be a standout because in everything he's in he always has those moments that we really enjoy his performances i think he's going to have that in this one and i think we're going to like love to hate him and i think he's going to make it to the end as well i think all the weapons he has um i think it's going to help him out a lot and i just think his on-screen chemistry with everybody because he's really great in ensemble pieces yeah. i think it's going to help
2: him move him along in the story what about you coy I think, as the the second biggest comics fan on that set, next to James Gunn, and as a guy that needs to be a household name, and as a man who's publishing an incredible Dark Horse comic, yeah. he walks into the sunset. David <laughs> and makes it all the way. He lives. He is part of all the teams. He wants to be. Uh, I've just I've wanted this guy to be a household name since prisoners since dark night since yeah. like he's he's in every superhero property and he kills it he's a great director he's a great comic writer like i'm a fan of the dude so uh selfishly and storyline wise i'm pulling for all acts he makes it
1: i i'm with you both i i think he makes it and it is interesting to watch somebody transition from being like minor player on like tv shows to being essentially like starring in movies because as you watch like we're all revisiting old stuff like in twin peaks he he has like a line like he's a security guard that talks to somebody else and it's like wait was that was that Pokemon man like what what was going on there and then like he showed up in the flash tv show as he was like in ant-man so it's interesting seeing somebody's star on the rise as they still do like bit parts and other things like you mentioned the dark knight like he's got like a scene in that movie and, how and did he forget? was oh, a
2: theater trained actor that was in Chicago kept going to the set to watch them film and then got an audition and then it was months later until he got the part. So he'd seen them filming down the street that's and then he was like I'm going to be in. Uh we're like acquaintance friends and, and I every time I can I talk to him about The Dark Knight cuz that's that's The Dark Knight. Yeah. Uh but like he literally watched them filming it as a fan and then by the time it wrapped became part of the production and that's like the best comic fan to comic legacy thing i can think of and now we evolved that to polka dot man and publisher of count crowley like
1: well, and he's and uh, he's in a scene that they couldn't cut, which was great because you. I would assume like if I was in that situation, I'm like man, they're going to cut me out of this movie. No, you can't.
2: <laughs> right? You can't. It's, it's my first scene. gig ever, and it's the Dark Knight for Chris Nolan. Like what?
1: I have a buddy of mine that's been in a bunch of stuff. He was in Feud on FX. He he plays a part in The Magicians, and he had a part in Batman Begins, and he's he's cut. It was like his first credit, and he's cut out of the movie. Oof. Anyway, moving on to Michael Rooker as Savant, uh, who James Gunn definitely made it sound like it was going to die, but maybe it was a faint uh savant first appeared in birds of prey number 56 in 2003 he was created by gail simone and ed benez uh sabrina michael rooker as savant lives or dies
0: um it's really interesting because as long as james gunn is going to be writing directing and producing michael rooker will stay booked he (laughs) is going to be in every single property but i don't think he's going to be in this one for that long i do think that we're going to lose him probably right at the beginning um i think he looks incredible though mm-hmm. i'm really excited to see that i'm a huge fan of michael worker and everything he does but i think we're losing him right
2: away what about you coy i think we lose him quickly but we meet him late i think he's a third act character we don't meet till the third act he's immediately like too powerful and we're like he's gonna clean up this whole situation and then he gets taken out and we're like the stakes yeah. i think he's very much a beloved the stakes are higher than we thought they were character and I also think that's why you cast Michael Rooker. We're gonna get Mary Poppins, y'all.
1: Yeah, I uh, I like that too. I, and I also like that uh, looking at these characters, like James, the bit of James Gunn looking at a character who's like supposed to be young and attractive and like uh, uh, conventionally attractive, and it's like, yeah, I'm gonna cast Michael Rooker in this shit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and Michael Rooker getting the script and like, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's like this know, guy's he's... supposed to be a computer, young computer hacker genius. Yeah, Michael Rooker's gonna play that part. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're getting into a, a very interesting one, a character that is ostensibly original to the movie, uh, and that is Nathan Fillion as TDK or the Detachable Kid, or as he's most likely based on from the comics, Arm Fall Off Boy. Now, something I did not know about Arm Fall Off Boy until I did a very brief amount of research for this. Um, he first appeared in Secret Origins Volume 2, Number 46, in 1989, and he was created by one of my all time favorite comic writers ever in the history of the universe, Grant Morrison. With artist Kurt Swan, uh, so now I immediately, uh, now that I know he's a Grant Morrison creation, I, I immediately have more attachment to this character. Um, TDK was one that we saw very little bit in the in the the footage. Sabrina, is TDK going to make it out alive?
0: Uh, I don't think so. I think this is going to be another one of the casualties. I think it's. I have a prediction of what we're going to see for that team A, and I could see like him. I could see Savant. Um, I can see all of them biting it right at the beginning of the film. So he's also one of them, unfortunately, as much as I love Nathan Fillion. I think we we saw a little bit of him in the featurette. And um, we don't know a lot about him as a character. And I don't think it's going to flesh him out too much. I think it's just kind of be like, look at what he does. And then he's gone. Yeah. So
3: what about you, Corey? i think we're gonna see his power set we're
2: gonna get a good laugh and then we're gonna lose nathan fillion i think we're gonna enjoy the cameo it's it's gonna be a lot like i don't know if it's gonna be the same scene but i think it's gonna be the same flavor as the peter capaldi like nerd cred casting yeah and then once we see his power set we're like oh nathan fillion because the cool thing about casting nathan fillion is as soon as you see him you're invested mm-hmm. and that's the best way to kill off a character quickly is being like oh no i care immediately and yeah. you know they're dead mm-hmm. like there's no way because you care that they make it so i, I think he's gone in wave one
1: now so i did want to float this out there because something when we were talking about pete davidson this occurred to me it might be a funny bit if they have like a kenny from south park somebody that can continuously dies throughout the movie or Ooh. uh um, it, jesse mcbride uh, danny mcbride's character in uh uh pineapple express where there keeps being moments like, oh, he's super dead. And then he comes back and you're like, wait, what, how is he still going? And as I was thinking about that, I'm like, of the candidates for that, a person whose ability is that he can remove his limbs. It might be funny if we keep thinking he's super dead and then he miraculously he comes back and you're like, wait, how are you back?
2: I also want that movie. I'd like, <laughs> Yes, <that's-> please. <laughs>
0: a lot of what I was thinking about these characters, I, I didn't think about that necessarily, but I love that. But I was thinking that w- there is going to be somebody who probably starts out, maybe not in that team A, but um, keeps just barely avoiding death, <laughs> but then bites it right at the end. That's like what I'm like, kind of thinking throughout the film.
1: Yeah, yeah, Just like a big leading out and then finally they finally they take him out, which might be, that's a good way to take out arm fall off boy. Uh, then we get Daniela Melchior, I hope I pronounced it maybe Melchior, sorry, uh, as Rat Catcher 2, uh, in the comics, Ratcatcher is Otis Flanagan. I'm going to assume that's Ratcatcher 1 in this extended movie universe. Uh, and Rat the character of Ratcatcher first showed up in Detective Comics number 585 in 1988, Uh, was created by Alan Grant and John Wagner and Norm Bravehogel. Uh, Coy Ratcatcher 2, she going to make it? She
2: makes it all the way. She's a final walk away character. She's way more capable by the end than we think she was in the beginning. I think she's going to develop her skills throughout the movie and we're going to like fall in love with her as we go along. Uh, I think she's going to be our sleeper agent of, of the third act. And I think she makes it.
1: All right, Sabrina.
0: Yeah, I, I actually agree with Coy with this one. Um, I really thought about, who to pick and choose because i wanted about 90 percent of these people but i'm getting really attached to these characters and the small amount that we saw her i really really love her abilities i love her powers and i think she's going to be one of the most fleshed out characters throughout the entire film and i think we're going to be rooting for her i think she'll be one of the exceptions that we actually see her walk out of this alive so i'm going to say that she survives
1: Uh, i also think she's going to survive that's a hard lives from our trio here uh i also think uh, part of that is you know um James Gunn was kind of talking about like her being the heart of the team, and it's like, like yeah, you're not gonna kill the heart of the team. You're not gonna make the heart of the team and kill her. Um, that's not the type of movie this is. Uh, so then we get uh, Steve A. G as King Shark. I, it should be noted that Steve A. G is probably just doing the motion capture. Um, if I were a betting man, I'd probably put money on uh, Taika Waititi doing the voice for King Shark, um, which personally I would be a big fan of if I wasn't worried it would just be the same bit as Korg over again, um, which is not a bad bit. I just, I, we've seen it. Um, and in the comics, King Shark's uh, name is Nanu. He first appeared in Superboy number zero in 1994. It was created by Carl Kessel and Todd, oh excuse me, Tom Grummit. Coy King Shark. Gonna I make think it? this
2: is our big surprise death. I Ooh. think we lose King Shark. I think this is the one that everyone expects to make it. This is mm-hmm. the one in the video game. This is the one they showed the image of, and people cooed and cawed and, yeah. and got excited. I think we lose King shark and I think it's emotional. And I think we're very surprised at how much we care about a shark. Much like we were very surprised at how much we cared about a, a raccoon and a tree. I think he's very much our, our Groot and uh, rocket parallel for, for mortality, but he has the power to kill him because it's different selling toys. Yes. So I think we lose King shark.
1: What about you, Sabrina.
0: Yeah, this was, this was definitely one that was really tough for me because I agree with Koi, especially if we have Taika voicing King Shark. I think we're going to be so attached to that character and this will probably be that one big, huge emotional moment because the other deaths, uh, some are going to be comedic, some are going to be shocking, but I think this one's going to be the one where we're all collectively kind of like, dang, this is real, this is hard. Um, I don't want to see it, but I do think it's going to happen.
1: Do we, do we think there's going to be a little tinier King Shark inside of him? Uh, like a nesting doll yeah like a nesting doll and then and then james gunn like no the original king shark super dead this isn't the same one this is his kid i need you all to be sad uh, baby king shark is canon is canon i disagree i obviously so as far as our discussion goes king shark is dead he's done for two out of three he's done i, I think he's gonna make it i think he's gonna make it again maybe that's just me feeding into the, like well he's one of the main guys i can't kill one of the main guys uh so i i'm probably gonna be proven wrong um, but I'll be interested to see where they take the character because sometimes he's kind of uh, a carnivorous brute, and we do see in one of the stills him eating somebody. But I've really enjoyed uh the Harley Quinn animated series version of King Shark. Coy, who's your cat friend?
2: Uh this is Spidey Cat. Nice. He is uh he is named after uh Spidey Man mm-hmm. and uh he is he is the best. Yes. He's, he's my bouncing baby boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if I don't hold him, he meows. So I figure this is a uh, better alternative than uh, the caterwauling because he is made of love.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
2: but he also loves string, as per cats. Yes. So here I am.
1: So here you are. If, if uh, you're watching this live, you could see uh, Spidey Cat uh, trying his damnedest to get a hold of those uh, headphones. Um, yeah, we have a little ginger cat as well. Uh, she does not like being held. Um she is the opposite. Oh. She 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 is full of cat love but she does not like being held. Um yeah so I'm going to say I that. think what's brand
0: I also have a little cat and I don't let her into my room whenever I film anything because she talks. She just mm-hmm. stares at everybody and just talks the entire time. <laughs> yeah. So I can't, I can't let her around here right now. Yeah.
1: I have a rule. The dog is dog is not with me right now. The dog can be in the studio because the c- dog's usually chill. She chooses a corner of the par- carpet and the curls up, and is fine. The cat gets into things and I can't afford to have that happen. So not only uh, is the cat not allowed in here in the other room is where I have like my recording gear, that's recording all this and she's not allowed in that room either. Cause she's going to start typing on the, keyboard i can't have it uh so she he, gets- he
2: literally licks like a dog and likes his belly rubbed I, I adopted a dog in a cat's body it's the best it's a win-win but uh it's it's
1: <laughs> this isn't normal it's a win-win so um go, moving on to sean gunn as weasel in the comics weasel is also known as john monroe he first appeared in the fury of firestorm number 35 uh, in 1985, I'm not sure how a, a man weasel fought, a nuclear man, but whatever. He uh, was created by Jerry Conway and Raphael Kayanen. Uh Sabrina, weasel, what's, what are his odds?
0: I'm going to say that weasel survives. Really? Yes, I think I think we're going to expect weasel to die and then King Shark to live. And we're going to have that big emotional um, moment with King Shark. And then Weasel's going to come out surviving. I absolutely love the look of this character. That was probably my first takeaway when I watched this featurette for the first time. I was like, this is like taxidermy gone wrong horror (laughs) nightmare. Like the craziest stuff. Something I would never want to see in the corner of my room at night. But for some reason, I'm so attached to it. Like I want to hug Weasel for some reason. So I'm going to say Weasel survives. And that's purely um, the fact that I want weasel too Uh, but also i think it'd be really interesting within the story if we get something like that and we have this type of character
3: absolutely what about you coy
2: uh and i are making the same movie uh (laughs) I, i think that he's gonna be a surprise asset in the third act i think we're gonna see some ground laid in the first act like there's gonna be one of those lines throwaway lines that'll then come back and like oh we've got weasel and he does the thing that they mentioned in the first act uh and i also think that sean gunn being That character means James Gunn's keeping him. I think there's some, uh, there's some brotherly love that'll keep uh, poor poor Weasel going with us. Uh,
3: yeah, I,
1: you know what? I have the opposite feeling. I think you cast your brother in the role. You know you're gonna you know you're gonna off in like the most graphic <laughs> way possible. I think I think the way the guns operate. I think they would both get a really big kick out of that. Uh, but both you said lives. So Weasel lives at the fight another day. At least as far as the movie we're talking about today. Um, so now we get to Fluborg as Javelin. Javelin first appeared in Green Lantern number 173 in 1984. Again, James Gunn was reading comics in the eighties. Clearly, uh, and he's created by Denny O'Neill, Mike Sakowski, and Dick Giordano. Uh, Sabrina Flulaborg. Borg.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, I think Flulaborg Borg is going to be absolutely amazing. I think that he is going to capture our hearts for the few moments that he's going to be on screen. But I think he is going to die, and it's going to be sad, and it's going to be very funny as well. Um, so yeah, I think I think this is one of the like Team A getting cut out right in the beginning. I feel like they're going to have a few of these and just knock them all out. So he's part of that. So unfortunately, I don't think
2: he's going to make it to the end. I don't even think he's going to make it very far at all.
3: (laughs) What about you, Coy?
2: So remember all of the things she said about Pete Davidson. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think they're flew Borg. I think that he's going to be the repeated, oh my God, this character's still with us. How is he surviving? Oh my God, he's so charming. What's going on? And then when we lose him at the very end, I think he's the... We thought we had Flula, and then we didn't. So I, I think he's going to be America's sweetheart until we lose him very late in the film.
1: Yeah. Okay. And well, but but also but you still think he's going to die?
2: I do think he's going to die, but I think he's he's the description that she gave Pete Davidson of like this guy shouldn't be so great, but he really is. But I think he does bite it at the very end.
1: I th- I do like I do like that idea of somebody as lame as Javelin somehow making it uh, all the way, and I hope the movie takes a minute to be like where did the guy come up with the gimmick of javelins (laughs) for like, uh, you know, maybe we get even like a MacGruber moment where it's like, well, guns are so much easier to use (laughs) than these stupid javelins I've been using. Uh, I also think Flula is not long for this world. Um, no, this sounds like I'm disrespecting Flula. I'm not, I just don't think you cast him like as one of your main dudes. I think, you know, like, oh man, this is going to be a really good bit. If I get Flula for this one part, uh, to just blow him up. Finally, our last one on the list, is mei as Mongol, who first appeared in Showcase, uh, Showcase 95, number eight, in 1995. Uh, she was unnamed in that. She got named in a later comic. I think it was in 2001. She was created by Peter Tomasi and Scott Eaton. Sabrina, Mongol, what are your thoughts? Yeah,
0: I think that she's going to be one of the ones that bites it at the end, unfortunately. I think it's going to be one of the final deaths. Um, I think it's going to be really great to see her character and her abilities on screen so I think we're going to have a lot of fun with that throughout the film Um, but we're going to be introduced to her like probably like second act midway and then at the end she will bite it because like James Gunn said don't get attached to these characters a lot of them they are the suicide squad this is what they're here for Um, so unfortunately I don't think she's
2: making it out
3: what about you Koi
2: uh, I don't think she's making it and only by proxy of we've, we've let a lot of people live here. <laughs> um, and, and I, and I don't know the actresses work that well, so I can't really speak to what the character might be. Um, but I, I do think it's going to be a one act character. I think it's probably gonna be the second act. I think she's going to be part of the, the B squad that doesn't make it to the Island. Like, I think there's going to be an inciting opening incident that happens in the city. I think there's going to be a mission they go on before the Island. And I think that's when we lose her. And then the Island is when we lose like, Eighty percent, like I think thirty of them go to the island, and like five make it. Yeah. But I do think she's part of the B, like she's part of the ones that are hired after we lose some, and then doesn't make it to the to the final act.
1: You know, it's interesting because a lot of these characters are more grounded. Um, you know, they're they're traditional enemies of characters we know. where Mongol is such an weird choice especially since like if anybody had on their comic book bingo card that mongol would be introduced in live action later than his obscure sister uh good for you because i didn't Um uh, and it makes me wonder there's been a lot of rumors that starro would be the antagonist of the movie which i felt kind of dubious because when you see the set photos it reminds me a lot of the original australian one which was more of a grounded um situation it was they're, they're dealing with super terrorists and stuff like that But now looking at it and seeing that Mongols in here, it's like, I wonder if the threat is extraterrestrial and she kind of shows up to be like, hey, this is the deal. You know, this is what you're dealing with. And so she's she's with the squad, but not necessarily part of the team. Does that make sense?
2: I can see that. And you kind of need those kind of characters. You know, we're we're assuming that's what Alice Braga is doing. But you also need someone on the other side, maybe. So I I could see you know some some supporting cast that are important
1: all right so we're gonna go through this is our definitive list who lives who dies uh amanda waller lives harley quinn lives blood sport lives uh i should be keeping count of this hold on we'll use my fingers no uh uh uh, uh Bloodsport lives uh peacemaker dead rick flag is super dead all three of us said he was dead uh the thinker is dead jai courtney oh no jai courtney captain boomerang didn't make it he's dead um and uh lives definitively we all said uh blackguards sorry sabrina he's dead uh polka dot man lives savant is dead tdk is dead rat catcher 2 lives king shark is dead uh uh weasel lives interestingly and javelin and mongol are both dead so out of all of our characters the people we end up with are weasel rat catcher 2 polka dot man uh, Alice Braga's character, Solsoria, and ba ba in our core three, Amanda Waller, Harley Quinn, and Bloodsport. That seems believable. I buy that.
2: And I buy seven making it. That seems like a reasonable number. Yeah. yeah out of all th- of these characters?
0: I still think we're shooting a little too high. I think we're <laughs> just really excited. Um, I think it'll probably be like five at the end of the day but i think we're pretty close i think we have a solid list
1: yeah well that's
2: that's five that's six plus one for waller and alice braga might not be part of the team so it might be five
1: of of the actual team yeah 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 that makes sense yeah i think four or five uh i think you're i think you're right sabrina i think that's where we'll we'll actually end up i'm really excited so that's who we think lives and dies do you have any before we like wrap everything up do you guys have any final thoughts on on this movie and which what, you, what you're looking forward to sabrina
0: Yeah, I really want it to be something a little bit more grounded. I know they talked about that whole war film vibe, so that's something that I'm excited to see on screen, especially with all of these characters, and I'm excited to see Pete Davidson in an action role, like I said earlier. Um, But even this entire ensemble is honestly, I think a lot of these actors are beloved. Even if they're smaller actors, everything that they're in, you know their faces from here or there. And um, I'm really excited to see all of them kind of interact throughout the film. I'm excited to see kind of, With James Gunn, it's going to be very, obviously, very self-aware, very, like, um, with this cast doing, like, Suicide Squad. They're really, they're going to know what they're going into, and they're going to know exactly, like, he knows the film that he's making. So, um, yeah, so I'm really excited to see how he pulls that off, and I think we're really going to enjoy it. Like, the fact that he said this is the most fun he's had on a set after making stuff like Guardians, I'm like, that's, those are strong words, so... I'm really, you know, when people are having fun making the film and the cast looked like they had a blast on the panel, um, I think we're going to have fun watching it as well.
3: What about you, Coy?
2: Uh, I feel like him saying this the most funny he ever had is the, the biggest indicator of insanity because James Gunn's a crazy person in all the best ways. So I feel like Warner Brothers looked at Guardians box office, looked at Guardians 2's box office Realize they had a rare opportunity to scoop him up. And now we as comic book fans get to have our cake and eat it too because we get Guardians 3 and the Suicide Squad. And he got to make this while he was in like director jail with mm-hmm. Disney. So they just threw like hundreds of millions of dollars at him. And they're like, pick your cast. Like we, we talked about the years of comic books. Like yeah. these aren't characters that were gonna be plucked from obscurity by anyone else but James Gunn. These aren't mm-hmm. characters that Warner Brothers wants to adapt into a TV show. Yeah. He can murder without mercy so it's a it's a clean slate it's a big old budget it looks insane i think it's a really good opportunity for dc to show us that they want to play in the comic book world they don't want to just do one thing this isn't disrespecting Zack snyder but for a bit there we had a very snyder centric dc universe it's yeah. just it's it's a tone it's a flavor and it was very specific even the beginning of wonder woman was still like leaving the snyder flavor going into her own but we had to like acknowledge the Snyderisms. And then become our own thing. Again, not disrespectful. It's just like when you watch uh, Avengers, that first Avengers movie is a Joss Whedon film, and we had to have phase two with Winter Soldier and Guardians to kind of branch out. So I feel like the Suicide Squad is going to be a lot of that, like, this is what DC can do, and let's go nuts. And that's just a benefit for all of us. The more crazy we go with these movies, the better chance we have of them lasting for like 40 years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The more diversity that you can get in there on every level um, to branch out what these types of movies can do. And I, and I, again, I, I kind of like, and I mentioned this when we were doing our DC Fandom discussion i like that there is less of a i think marvel found a lot of success in saying like we have this tone like everything's kind of lit the same you know everything's kind of functions the same and i think uh, which worked for them and made them tremendously successful and they have a very solid track record but I, I've been enjoying that DC's kind of been going the opposite. It's like, listen, Shazam is very different than Birds of Prey, which is very different than Aquaman, which is very different than Wonder Woman. Like, it's, it's one of those, and which is the feeling I get when I read comics. Like, when you talk about characters crossing over, you're looking at it, you're like, but, but how do these characters cross over? I like that, and I like that you you look at it and it's like, wait, how is Shazam supposed to fit into Birds of Prey? Hi, Spidey Cat. Spidey Cat agrees with me. Uh, He's very excited to agree. He's he's chiming in. Very excited. I want to thank you both for joining me and going through this long list of characters and determining who we think is going to live and die. Uh, Everybody at home, you can uh, let me know on this Patreon post, or if you're listening to the podcast, you can let us know on the, uh, on Twitter who you think, uh, what you think about our list, who you think is going to live and die. But before we wrap up, Sabrina, remind the kids at home who you are, where they can find you, all the stuff you're doing.
0: Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Sabrina X Monica, and then also on Twitter at Sabrina on film. Um, the first cut YouTube channel, the Meaning of Podcast with Andres Cabrera and Robert Butler, the third, and then also on the geeks of color website and the geeks of color, YouTube channel, posting a lot of content there and also patreon.com slash sabrina on film thank you so much for inviting me on this discussion i mean this is a blast because these characters are
2: absolutely ridiculous so
1: (laughs) no thank you for coming on i really appreciate it coy where the where can the kids find you
2: I can't wait for this movie. This was a blast. Uh, You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube at Koi Jandro. I do about three videos a week on YouTube, upping it to four after next week. Uh, I'm splitting my hour long show into two 40 minute shows because algorithms. Uh, And then I might be starting a Twitch because insomnia. And then I also do about four to five things a week on Patreon. And uh, sometimes I even acknowledge my friends and family. Uh, but in between then I am on Twitter arguing about the world and politics and comic books and how they're the same thing mm-hmm. and, uh, posting pictures of my cat. So find me on all of those places. And if you want to see the face of that adorable meow, you heard as podcast listeners, he is Spidey and he also has Instagram. Uh, but this has been a pleasure and had a great time. So thanks for having me on.
1: I think I said this last time you were on, you need to take a nap, dude. You need to, you need to take a <laughs> nap. Like. Like, I got, I got tired just listening to all that. I was like, four videos, like, oh my God,
3: oh my God.
1: Okay. Uh, everybody <laughs> at home, you can follow me at DJ Talks Trash. If you want uh, to follow the show, you can do that everywhere that matters at Only Stupid Answers. But on Twitter, you're going to want to yank the vowels out of Stupid. Thanks for everybody that watched live. If you want to watch live, you can do that at patreon.com slash Only Stupid Answers. Right now on our YouTube, you can catch a review of Mulan. You can also catch a review of the first three episode of episodes of The Boys, so be sure to check those out. Thank you all for watching or listening or however you consume this. We appreciate it. Take care. Be safe. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. And we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye.